What is happening, everybody? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. It is myself, Greg Piatelli, and Mark Higgins recapping the NHL trade deadline and taking a look at how all four divisions are stacking up down the stretch. This one was a lot of fun to record. Cannot wait to hear what you guys think. As always, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Search the bullpen cart on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Mash that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode, especially with the NHL season wrapping up. Baseball's just started. You don't want to miss an episode. Follow us on Twitter, ThunderBLG, Thunderblog Sports on Instagram, and the Bullpen Card Podcast group on Facebook. But enjoy the episode, everybody. Let us know what you think in the comments. And here we go. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast, still untitled hockey podcast, here on the Bullpen Card Podcast feed. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell, a hockey podcast for the first time in a couple weeks. The NHL trade deadline was this past week. We got a lot to talk about, and joining me, as always, are the two boys up from Boston. We'll lead off with the legend himself, the prophet, Mr. Greg Piatelli. How are you, my friend? Let's be honest, Jordy. The people don't care how I am. All they want to hear about is how you are. Uh, have you gotten used to calling yourself husband? Have you gotten used to saying my wife? Uh, we've had a huge wedding in the podcast business while we were away in our absence. Well, that's why we were used away. to. Have you gotten used to hearing people call you? Uh, this is my husband, or you know, my wife. Have you gotten used to that yet? I've gotten How's used to saying my do, wife. Do, 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 do you feel happy weird. with the ring? The ring is weird. It's like sometimes I just feel like I'm like twiddling something between my fingers, you know, like you do that with like a pencil or a pen. Like the ring feels like that constantly, but it's a, you know, it's a cool feeling. It's a, a new, you know, learning about it. I have the rubber ring to wear while I play golf or while I work out. So that's a one, you know, change it out sometimes, you know, getting used to it, but it's, it's awesome. Genius move. Maybe I should invest in, in two rings. Yeah. The, the rubber one came, I ordered mine from offline or online. Uh, no free ads, but great place. Uh, it's on my wife's Instagram if you follow her. But uh, yeah, it's good times. But let's introduce the other part of this podcast. Mr. Mark Higgins, how are you? Doing great, gentlemen. Glad to be here again. Ready to get right into it. But uh, Jordy, I'm more concerned about you and how you're doing with your, your flyers lately. Yeah, they're uh, they're not good. <laughs> we uh, did the first Instagram recap video since the wedding hiatus today they're uh yeah it's not good they stood relatively pat at the trade deadline which was where we can start um just a quick flyers what they did not really consequential they traded michael raffle who'd been on the team for eight years to the capitals as the capitals loaded up a little bit then they traded gustason up to the montreal canadians and then instead of re-signing scott lawton or scratch that they did re-sign Scott Lawton, instead of trading him, his name had been floated around there. And Nolan Patrick, let's give credit to Mark, who had said, could he be a trade deadline person? I feel like you said it before Elliot Friedman, before any of those people. He did not get traded. So Mark was right that he was trade bait. But I think the Flyers, and this is, I think, something too with Scott Lawton, that they're probably asking for a lot. We end up seeing with, you know, a couple of the other trades we're going to talk about of, of salary retention, which I feel like 
Lawton's not as big of a deal because he got a little bit of a pay bump and he's getting paid, I think, $800,000 a year. But I think for like a JVR, for a, you know, whomever, a Shingasta spare, I think they wanted more money. They didn't want to have to retain as much. They might have wanted more picks. I don't think those numbers really added up. So I think that's going to be a theme as we talk about all of this. What about uh, Gustafson? Gustafson, they, uh, I think they got like a fifth round pick for him. Maybe a se- no, no, no. It's a seventh round pick for Gustafson. So basically gave him to Montreal and then a, a fifth round pick for Raffle. So if, if we told you in the beginning of, uh, the beginning of the season when we did our first podcast that the Flyers were going to be sellers at the deadline, uh, what would you have said? Um, I would have said it probably be one of the worst seasons in franchise history. And it is one of the worst seasons in franchise history. So there you do go. you think, do you think they made these moves because of the expansion draft to protect themselves a little bit from, from having to make some difficult decisions or maybe, I mean, they, so Greg and I actually talked about this offline of that Claude Drew, Kevin Hayes have no move clauses. So they'd need to ask them to waive those. So they're, they're going to be auto protects. There's other guys in there that are, you know, You'll have to see what they end up doing with them. Like, Lawton's now signed through 2026, getting paid $3 million a year. Excuse me there. He got – it's a seven it's a $700,000 pay bump is where I, I was getting confused with that. But so he's, he's signed through 2026, as is Kevin Hayes. The next the next most tenured flyers are Ivan Provorov and Travis Konechny, signed through 2025. A lot of the talk in Philadelphia has been surrounding with Claude Giroux, who will have one more year on his deal – that pays him $8.2 million and whether or not they'll ask Claude Giroux to waive his no trade clause, either for an expansion draft or trying to trade him either to a team that could contend or whatever to get that type of money off the books. Uh, Vorchek's in a similar situation. He actually gets paid uh, just a little less than Giroux at 8.25. Giroux is 8.27. Um, and they're, they're the two that really bog down the, the salary cap. And then it's Hayes, Provorov, uh, and Gostaspare, who we've, you know, actually, I don't even think we've podcasted since he got moved on and off of, wa- moved through waivers and then brought back onto the team. But those are the guys who really suck up a lot of the, the space there. So to answer your question, Greg, there's probably something in there. They now have brought up a number of rookies. Joel Farabee's still on his ELC. Tanner Lazinski, he's up on the team now. He's on an ELC. Wade Allison just got called up. He'll be on one. They signed Cam York to his deal. He's on an ELC, but he's down in the Phantoms anyway, so he probably isn't eligible so seeing what they'd have to do to, it'll be really interesting to see who they end up protecting for the uh, for the expansion draft. Nolan Patrick is an RFA, which I think he can be claimed on the expansion draft rules, but they then get a. There's something with compensatory picks that I think ends up getting hap, that ends up happening there. Um, then Obey Kubel is it has one more year in his deal. He I think he's un, ineligible for auto protection because he he's waivers exempt. Uh, or no, he's not waivers exempt because he got called up too quick. There's a lot of weird business deals that all end up happening there. So there's, it seems like a, that there may be something happening in the off season. That's probably where they want to keep time on their side to not be against the clock and in the trade deadline to try to find something of doing some sort of overhaul. It seems like, you know, the, the end of the road in terms of, different eras has, it seems to be happening. And I keep emphasizing that word because a lot of Fletcher's tenure so far as a Flyers GM hasn't really been a lot of blockbuster, huge action. So to think that a Jeru Voracek might get moved or if 
you know, God forbid they decided to move Couturier, who could be the next captain, could be whatever. You know, who knows if he actually does it is kind of where uh, a lot of the fan base is kind of sitting of show us that you want to you want to do a facelift to Fletcher. I mean, you you, you got to think they rebuild around around Farabee and around uh, Limbaum and, and around Carter Hart. You know, you got You got to think they just go the other way. And, and now that they were huge sellers, you just I mean, you have uh, Hayes maybe as a leader, but realistically, just go the other way. Go go devil's route and just become a super young talented team that everyone talks about yeah i think the other problem i think is salary retention right hayes gets paid over seven million jeru gets paid over eight million four check gets paid over eight million gossip bears is four and a half you know how many of those guys how many of those guys can be like how many of those guys they can leave unprotected so that the kraken pick them up uh i think voracek can hayes you have to ask him to move his no trade clause Jeru, yeah, so you have out. to ask him to move his no move clause. He's out. Uh, JVR is the one that uh, that going into the season was the consensus. He's going to be the pick. He's seven million dollars. So if that ends up happening, that's seven million dollars of cap space. Great, that's moved. Uh, but now because of moves that have been made of of clearing out other guys, you know who who knows if that ends up happening or if they say you know what he's had a great year. We're going to protect him and see if we can have him be this this vet or whatever they decide to do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's it, the full recap. If people wanted in your last uh, your last Instagram video, tell them where they can find it. Um, the the flyer recap, if that's where you're here. Um, yeah, this is a little we'll more talk- in depth. I'll just throw the stat out. I, we didn't mean to lead off the show with the flyers for those that maybe think we'll we're, talk about at the end. But we're too uh, we're too Philly centric. The flyers, though, in the 0607 year, the actual results based worst season in franchise history. Where they finished in dead last, didn't win the lottery. They end up getting JVR, the number two pick. The Blackhawks got Patrick Kane. The Flyers in that season, in a full 82-game season, lost by at least five goals five times. In 42 games so far this season, the Flyers have done this, lost by five or more goals, seven times. One in six tries, the team has lost by five or more goals. It is um, just a season from hell. The t- players are blaming COVID, which I kind of like that they're blaming it. I don't want us as fans to do it because at least they'll try to rebuild their confidence. I don't know. I don't know if that's just me trying to spin it in my head, um, but there's a lot out there. We've talked about their special teams sucking, all this different stuff. So, you know, it's, it's just a shitty season. They're playing the Penguins tonight who added Jeff Carter. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, I don't have a ton of confidence. Obviously people listening will know the result to it. Uh, I'm excited to see Wade Allison play. He, we were just talking about it offline, you know, a prospect who's had a great year in Lehigh Valley in the AHL, Excited to see what he can do on the NHL level and, and go from there and, and see what happens with the team. So, yeah. Drew and Voracek got to go. So it's obviously not worked with those guys. They're getting paid $8 million, taking up both of them combined 20% of your salary cap. Yeah. Uh, time to build around. I mean, give give Couturier the C. He's the guy. Yeah, so, so it's interesting you bring it up. A lot of people, at least on Flyers Twitter, want for a check out of here. People are like, how didn't, how didn't they do this before? And it's been this weird relationship of he calls the Philadelphia Inquirer writer a weasel and everybody's rallying behind him. And a lot of people are super pumped about him and everything. And, and then the results come in and how he plays. And it's kind of like, what the fuck has this guy been doing here for this long? And it's weird, right? Like, I've always liked Jake Forcheck. I love the intensity that he brings. But with so many of these guys, especially on the leadership level, they either aren't scoring or when they're scoring, they're the only guys doing it. And kind of, you can kind of tell there's almost seemingly a disconnect between them and the rest of the team. 
And then the intensity isn't there. It's just, it's frustrating to see. Cause you watch this, you see guys like Kevin Hayes. Sometimes it looks like he's like barely out there skating. We made fun of fucking line a in his last game of the blue jackets looking like he's playing men's league. And sometimes Kevin Hayes looks like that. And I, I want Kevin Hayes to be, you know, a, a state, a mainstay with this team, prove the people that say he's overpaid wrong. And last year he did that this year. He looks like a fucking shell of that. So it's super frustrating to see these guys who are getting paid that much money. And like you said, Mark, are taking up that much of the, the salary cap for this team show kind of a man throwing up the shrug at this. And, you know, they have these quotes out of saying, we haven't given up on the season, all this sort of stuff. Then show it. You know, we need to see that on the ice. Getting these fucking blowouts are pathetic. It's, it's tough to see where, you know, the Capitals game on Tuesday night where they're losing 2-1 and then all of a sudden the last 10 minutes of the first period, it's, it's 4-1 by the end of it. And the team looks is just puck watching. They're out there st- skating like they're wearing fucking concrete boots. It sucks. You know, it's it's super frustrating to see that product. You know, couple that with the fucking Phillies sucking against the Mets this week. Just not a good week in Jordy land. So, so, you know, I think the larger issue, like Mark was saying and trying to allude to, but like, you look at, like, not that Drew's Crosby, but you look at other teams top superstar guys that are getting that type of money they're the leading scorers right they're the number sure. ones they're the, they're the go-to guy and i feel like Giroux hasn't been that for a while so a lot of people say that he's had his big years of like outside of last year in the bubble he's had these big years like he in 2018 second in the league in points somehow ends up being fourth in the heart and that's the year that hall wins the heart trophy but he's second to McDavid. McDavid's there, and I, f- I think it was Anze Kopitar was the third finalist for the heart. He's had all these seasons where he's led the team in points, but because Ron Hextall wanted to, and this is the frustrating thing to hear, like, oh, yeah, you got to rebuild again, of Ron Hextall wanted to slowly rebuild and took his time with it and then took too much time with it. He was too hesitant to call up these different guys that Fletcher immediately called up. But he wanted to do it without moving Giroux, and they put him on this no-move clause and that was signed when, when Holmgren was still the GM of the team. So it's like this weird, they wanted him to be the captain during a mediocre period of time, and, and now he's the most tenured captain ever. And it's really fucking weird of how this is all going to go go forward. And a lot of people really defend him. And I, I like Claude Giroux, but there is something of like, if you can fucking send him to, you know, let's just throw Colorado or Vegas or something, like they want to add a, a 33, turning 34-year-old vet, who can be your third-line guy, throw him on a wing, throw him on center, kind of versatile face-off guy, one of the better face-off takers in the league still. Um, you know, throw, you know, If you want to try to take a move on that and say, Claude, we appreciate the eight years that you were our captain, we want to try to put you in a position of success because right now we don't think that we can do that for you. We tried to do it last year. It didn't work. And Giroux, you know, is a stand-up guy, so he'd be like, oh, no, you know, it was the COVID year, blah, blah, blah. But like they, they really should try to, package this to get shit and not just let them walk next summer in 2022 and go to Colorado, Vegas, Boston, wherever, you know, or LA or Anaheim that has all these superstar young, young guys that LA calls up and says, Claude, we want you to mentor, you know, whomever Mikey Anderson or Anaheim calls up and says, we want you to mentor Trevor Zegris and turn, you know, teach him to do this, teach him to be a stand up pro. Whatever. Is, he in a place, is he in a place where he'll retire or no? I mean, he's 34. He's, you know, he's close to a thousand games, but I feel like he's, he's the kind of guy he's been relatively healthy his whole career. You know, aside from that time he broke, he broke a club over, I think his wrist because he didn't draw, because he didn't get asked to be on the Canadian uh, Olympic team back in 2014. But I think he didn't miss any time, but he's yeah. relatively healthy. So I think he's going to try to play as long as he can, but he can be a guy that, that ends up being that, you know, 
a Bobby yeah, Ryan I, type. Now, obviously not with the off ice stuff that happened to Bobby Ryan, but like he could be that kind of guy that that hangs out for a while. I feel like he he wants to do that because he can. You know, he doesn't really show any signs of slowing down. Yeah, but I feel like I mean maybe Mark can speak to it, but I feel like he's also like one of those guys who like oh I want to end my career where yeah you know, he he's, he wants to go down with the ship. That's the that's the problem of trying to move Giroux. Voracek yeah. on the other hand, who I thought had a full no move clause, it must be slight because cap friendly doesn't have anything on on the terms uh you could try to move him and maybe get mid-round picks for him at this point i don't you know the problem is i think the flyers want to take a lot if they're going to have to retain salary and the flat cap kind of fucks that so it's stupid but like maybe you you know if you want to convince him to take more maybe get mid-round picks fletcher loves draft day trading so get like a fucking couple thirds a fourth rounder and then finagle around and and do what you can can with that you know i mean yeah, and, and and just like I mean, just because you know what I know best, but comparing it to the Bruins and Bergeron, and not that either one of them is Bergeron, but even Bergeron, whose role is not to be a scorer, produces goals and, and is still top, let's say top five on the team in points, right? Or, or even even top three, you could argue top whatever it is. He's and still, yeah, he yeah he he does it without the goals exactly. He's still top on the team. So, I mean. Maybe that's what they, they just need their top guys to be that, and they're they're not doing it. So I, I mean, yeah, Mark, I feel like we've let Jordy ramble on here, but to be fair to Drew and Voracek, last year they were third and uh, Drew was fourth, Voracek was third. They were higher than Kevin Hayes, you know, who was supposed to be the next not shiny new toy. I mentioned right, eighteen and nineteen. If you're Drew, you should be the number one. But in nineteen, whatever. Drew anyway. was. But I, you didn't let me finish. In eighteen and nineteen, Drew was number one. Voracek, Voracek is the more d- disappointing piece. That's kind of gone by, you know, skated by, pun intended, without really any sort of serious consequences. A lot of da- dashes to his name. Uh, Couturier obviously won the Selkie last year, so he's a, a, you know, should be a mainstay, like Mark said. Built built around him, he's probably the next guy to wear the C. It's just a matter of, will Giroux want to go down with a ship, or can you convince him to say, we want to give you a Stanley Cup, and we don't know if we can do that before your contract ends. Yeah. Jordan, you got to build around Couturier, connect me. Faraby, Provorov, and Hart. Drew only has one more year on his contract after that. You can eat that $8 million, That's fine. But step number one, getting rid of Voracek, he's got four more years at $8.2 yeah. That's just going to kill you guys. Yeah, you that... have to move on from him. And that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's the... That's like the the nail in the coffin of the Ron Hextall years. Is he gave him this contract. I think he... I think that's a, a Hextall contract. Uh, I know that Provorov and Konechny are, and I think Gossespierre is too. But um, the, there's the weird leave leave them unprotected. Why not? They honestly they might, and you know Seattle could certainly use that. Um, but we'll see. I mean, they have all they have seven rounds worth of picks. They don't have their fifth rounder, but they do now have Vegas's um, that they acquired in, in the raffle trade from Colorado, which Colorado originally got, or not Colorado from the Capitals, who cap, the Capitals got from the the Golden Knights, and they have the seventh rounder next year. That was the Gustafson pick. So that's where they walk away from. They re-signed Lawton, who I think is a solid bottom six guy. But let's jump into the actual trade deadline. We uh, we mentioned the Flyers after the trade deadline. but So thank you for bearing with us while I ranted. But let's talk. You talked about the Bruins. Taylor Hall, the biggest name on the board, came over the hang wire. On. Was it hang Saturday on, night? On. Hang on, hang on. Before you before you do that, should you put a disclaimer in the first, like when you do your intro, like, oh, feel free to hit the thirty second button until you get. To... <laughs> I was just, you know, 
No, I'm just kidding. I'm just we'll giving you a hard we'll time. See what they do. It's a big Philly podcast. All right, Taylor Hall. No, 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 the, well, we're trying to build the audience. No sleep till yeah. 500 or whatever we want to call it. Um, nice. Taylor Hall goes to the Bruins Sunday night. I thought, honestly, I pulled up Instagram in the morning, and I thought like some of the hockey meme accounts were, were fucking with me that, that the Bruins actually acquired him. But no, he goes to the Bruins. Boys, I'll let you guys take away with this. How do you feel about it? So uh, what, all I'll say is that like – for how many years since the Bruins have been a legit, uh, you know, cup content contender last five, six years, whatever it is, even since they won, you could argue the Bruins fans have been asking for a huge move like this or a move to get a big name like Taylor Hall in theory is right. And Mark mentioned before, but the Rick Nash trade, you know, that was sort of one, but that, that, Bruins fans wanted that was that it didn't end up working out and they gave up a lot for and too much for but in terms of Taylor Hall who who signed these one-year deals he's had here he was with Arizona for half a season and now he's with Buffalo and you know whatever he's he's bounced around the last couple of years but he he has always been the guy the go-to guy and I think now he's finally on a team where he can be a secondary player right he, there's Pasternak there's Mar- there's Martian there's Bergeron who's ahead of him. So you got to throw in Krejci too, but realistically he has an opportunity now where he doesn't have to be on all the pressures on him. Right. And uh, sure. Jack Eichel, but he was Taylor Hall was still the second guy or third guy on that team. So he has the uh, one game in right against Buffalo. It is what it is, but he just, the ability that he has to make plays to find guys in the offensive zone already to the second line, which is what Mark and I have talked about from jump street, that the second line needs someone to play with Krejci who can either finish or help Krejci control and set up the play because they're too top heavy. They're two one. The Bruins are too top heavy, two first line. And the Bruins were before the trade, Jordy, they had Posnock on the second line. They had called up uh, Smith to the first line from the third line. You know, they, they were, they were doing whatever they could to make sure that, they had two lines scoring between Krejci and, and Bergeron line. So this move in theory helps them keep the top line intact, make sure that the second line still produces coil. will get going again. He's a slump. He's a, he's a slumpy, sorry, a, a, not slumpy, but a, a, what do they call it? He looked good the other night. Yeah. Streaky player. A, I think it's what you're streaky, looking for. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Thank you. He's a streaky player. Third line now. Debrus can move to the third line. Also, streaky player. The, the two of them will. They just need to find their stride at the right time. And then they have the fourth line, who has been all over the map in terms of who's played there this year. But they're starting to take form with the right guys that that are down there. So it's the offensive help is is what the Bruins have always needed, especially the last two years made apparent, and they got that. But the bigger move to me, which we'll talk about, is is what the help they got on defense with another. Uh, puck moving offensive minded defenseman who was getting power play one minutes in his, in his first in his debut with the Bruins, which is, is pretty impressive. But um, to say the least, Taylor Hall to Boston, it's what Bruins fans have been asking for a big name to come in and help that second line. And, and I feel like they, they have it. So there's no excuse now. Right. I mean, everyone's getting healthy. It seems like people are coming back. There's no excuse. So Mark. Yeah, I think it's just, a match bid in heaven. I think it's perfect timing for both sides. I think this might, I'm going to make a prediction. It's probably one of the best trades the Bruins will ever make. Cause this guy is 
world-class talent and he's motivated and pissed off he needs to revitalize his career he's always been on losing teams his confidence is low right now he's never had the better veteran uh, leadership in a locker room like the Bruins can give him he can fly under the radar on the second line we desperately need that like world-class scorer on that second line to help us with five on five and on the second power play unit. I think it's just perfect timing. Uh, he wants to win. He wants to prove people wrong. Um, and there's really no pressure on him to be the top guy, like Greg said. And he, I think he wanted to come to the Bruins before the season even started, but we couldn't afford him. Um, luckily, the Sabres uh, retained half his salary, and he had a, a specific like teams that he would allow himself to be traded to. So that eliminated a lot of people giving better offers than the Bruins could give. I mean, we gave a second round pick in Andres Bjork for Taylor Hall. Um, that's unbelievable. I think I'm making a prediction that this is going to be one of the best trades trades they've ever made. Uh, and I think he's going to turn it on here soon. Um, and yeah, Mike Riley, we desperately needed like a steady stay at home, uh, puck moving top four reliable guy. That's going to help us big time. Uh, and then we got, What's his face? Curtis Lazar on the fourth line to bring some energy. Our fourth line's been weak recently. Uh, he looked good the other night. It seems like, I think he was a like first line guy on the World Juniors for Canada, scoring a ton of points. Um, and then he was one of those tweener guys who kind of had to, he wasn't, he couldn't do that in the NHL, so he had to change his game a bit. And uh, I think he's going to help that fourth line a lot. It looked good the other night. We'll see. It's one game so far, but uh, that's my take. No, I yeah, love it. Lazar was a Lazar was a captain, I believe, for the World Junior team too for Canada. So definitely the skill value there. But you know, it it to me it's it's Mike Smith or no, sorry, Mike Riley on defense. Uh, like Mark said, huge help because they're they're struggling right now with McAvoy was out for a while. Grizzly has been out for seems like he's been in and out, but majority of the time he seems like he's been out. Kevin Miller, obviously, they did some load management stuff with him, and then he got re-injured, and now he's back, and now they're load managing again, and they're just a mess on defense in terms of staying healthy, but if they can stay healthy on D, and they can continue to get the production they're getting from their top line, Taylor Hall can help Grace to get production, and then Tuka comes back from from his little injury that he had, you know, there's no saying what or where this team can go, and we can get into more brewing stuff later uh we'll move on to other trades unless you have something else Jordy, about hall no i think it's just great i think the bruins i think you mentioned it kind of with hall and, and kind of i feel like it encompasses the bruins pretty well a team that has kind of you know, struggled here and there i mean to score and at times defensively and they add a puck moving defenseman and they add a guy a big name and a guy who's waiting to pop i think it was something where the Sabres started the year with a lot of, you know, piss and vinegar, thinking we can be the surprise of the year. And they had the top, any, the top, uh, not top NHL, top power play in the NHL for, you know, the first couple weeks of the season. And then it drastically fell off. They're now like, I think in the middle of the pack. And, you know, obviously they had this, the huge decline in terms of their losing streak and all that stuff. So I think a guy who's just been kind of, you know, beat down through all this, he, I think the, the huge come down from 2018 when he, you know, carried an entire organization on his back to the playoffs. I think he's he's waiting to have that again. And I think having guys around him where he doesn't have to be the guy is huge. And then yeah, you mentioned with Smith, just awesome to have another guy there where when guys get healthy, he's going to be a fun guy to be in the mix with, you know, everybody around that team of, of a team of defensemen that Greg joked on in the Capitals game of how they had, what, five guys who never weren't even close to sniffing the opening night lineup. So It'll be fun to see what the Bruins do there. I, I was pretty high on them when we did our prediction, so 
I'm hoping that this move proves me right. Yeah. One more point on Hall. Sorry, Sorry Greg. One more point. Just think when in his career, he, he's probably been paired up against the other team's top D every single game of his career, right? This will probably be the first time that he's getting like the number three or four second pairing defenseman to go against because they're going to be shutting down Bergeron's line. So just think about True. that. Yeah. That, that's a really good that's point. Be, yeah. True. And now, and like, you know, even to a point, the Bruins power play is really good, as you know, but they, there was a time when they were overplaying the first line because their second line, second power play unit wasn't as strong. But now you look at the second power play unit and you can have Krejci out there with, with Hall, with, with Coyle and, and McAvoy on the back end. And, or, you know, unless you want to keep Krejci on the first line, you know, Richie has been dominating on the power play as well for, for that uh, in his role in front of the net there. So like, they now have two legitimate power play units, which kind of like the Capitals and then even the, the Lightning last year. So it, and you could very much argue the Maple Leafs have this year. And it's, it's a scary thought to think that the Bruins have been one of the best special teams teams <laughs> uh, in the league the last couple of years. And, and a guy like this only makes them better. Even, even on the back end, Mike Riley, a guy like that makes them better in that power play as well. So it's uh, going in the right direction, and and uh, you know, great points. Just Absolutely. need Kevin Miller to stay healthy so he could be the sheriff in the playoffs. Yes. All right, so let's keep it moving. The Islanders made a number of different deals. The big one being they added Kyle Palmieri, who scored in his first game with the Islanders. They also added Travis Ajak from the Devils. They added Braden Coburn from the Senators, who obviously was on the Lightning last year and was moved in a cap dump to Ottawa. So the the Islanders at the the Islanders load up and they've added guys who can put the puck in the back of the net, but have played in these defensive style teams and, you know, are veterans who've been around for a while. Zajac obviously played his thousandth game recently this season. I actually really like these moves a lot. I am hoping that a, a not Islanders team comes out of the East, but they've looked great guys. What do you think about this? Mark, we'll start with you since we start with Greg at the Bruins. Yeah, I think they're just typical Islanders guys. And I think um, they're in the division. What's that? A short drive from Jersey to Long Island. Um, didn't have to go through all the COVID protocols. They take the Verrazano. Yeah, I mean, I think they're just <laughs> exactly. They, they have the Islanders I, DNA in them. I think it's a, it's a good fit. Um, Islanders need secondary scoring. They always have. Paul Mary can put the puck in the net. So great fit there. I think he's from Long Island. So it just made sense. And then Zajac wants to. To win a cup he's later in his career so he's kind of a throw in there um and he can only help so i think it's great moves by them they're a scary team um and i'm excited to watch them versus the bruins tonight but yeah i think the islanders i think this could be the year maybe that they they go God, I hope, far i fucking hope not I, I i it could be um but we'll see Blurred. greg what do you think yeah i mean how much further they have to go besides the stanley cup i mean they've they made it to the eastern conference finals or at least the division round or the, whatever the second round two of the last three years. Right. So, and, and what I like the most about this move is they lost Andersley, their captain, right. They get Palmieri and Zajac who not only are playing really well this year, playing above their standing for, you know, they're on the last year of their deal. Maybe that's it, but they're, they're playing extreme. They were playing extremely well with, with the devils, but like you guys mentioned, they're veterans who, who were assistant captains and, and, leaders who have been around forever with the devil. So you lose your captain. If you're the Islanders and Anders Lee, 
And now you bring in two veterans who can come in right away, who've been playing really well this year, who are motivated to win a cup, who are on one year deal. Like this is their last year. They're, they're in terms of the free agents, they, they, this is their year to go out and prove something. You come to an Islanders team who has knocked on the door. They have young talent. They have great defense. They like the, like Mark said, they play that, that style of, of defend inside out first, protect the goal and, and let's play a, uh, a counterattack style, which is kind of what the Devils were doing before, like Mark mentioned. So it all fits in this this move happened before the deadline, but this really was the first team, and they needed to. The Islanders were the first team to make a move, a splash, and they needed to because of Anders Lee, you know, being out for the rest of the year. And uh, those two guys, the veteran leadership, the 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 knowing of the division, everything that Mark said is spot on. So that's to me, I feel like outside of the hall to the Bruins, I feel like that had to be one of the top moves of the, of the uh, deadline. Palmieri's sneaky young too. He may look old with that beard and facial hair, but he's 30, right? 91. He's 30. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's got 20, at least 20 goals the last five seasons. So yeah, he's in he, the prime of his career. Exactly. And he, and he was assistant captain, right? So he's like, he has that leadership. He's, he's, he's a free agent. So he, this is, he's playing, like Jordy said, if things work out, maybe he'll sign. But this is this is huge. That was huge, a huge move. And I, like I said, outside of the Hall deal, I feel like that had to be num- the number one move for any of the teams. You know, and the Bruins wanted. I thought the Bruins should get him, but I, I'm happy with Hall. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I'll take. I'll yeah. take. I'll if take if you have to have Taylor Hall, it's okay. Over. Yeah. So other teams added up too. We uh, we saw the Capitals staying in the East, adding. Mantha, they added Raffle, which we mentioned, which is more of a depth add. But Mantha scored right away. Obviously, everybody can score against the fucking Flyers. But he's a guy, I feel like, who's been on the Red Wings for a while. But he's been a solid goal scorer. And I feel like this is just another guy, kind of what you were talking about before, of the Capitals, their their top line, they figured it out with the, the rest of their forwards. But their top line has been so heavily used in a number of their games. They have almost every goal, or they count for practically all but however many points. And adding a guy like this that can be your second line, you know, second line forward and adding some more depth to it and really helping out with, you know, some of the various different little moves that they've made. I really actually like this move. I don't think it's a Palmieri or a Hall move, but I think this is a guy who, who's going to make a bigger impact that kind of, you look back on this, the Capitals come out of the East, they go to the Stanley cup final or whatever. You might see it as a, as a big move that they made that, you know, this opened it up for Ovi. It opened it up for Oshi, for Tom Wilson, for whomever. And yeah, I, I think this is a it's a good one to to see if you're a Capitals fan. I totally agree. And and another guy that a veteran guy that's gonna step into a veteran team that'll just like absolutely, you know, make an impact and already has, it sounds like. But they gave away that young kid Rana. Rana who, yeah who's good and they gave away a first and a second round pick, but that's the price of, of winning Stanley cup, I guess. Right. They, they only have so many years left with Ovechkin and Oshi and obviously Chara and whatever, but, um, and then the, so, you know, and then they, that they needed it, right. They, they need to go for it just because one, this division, the East is such a difficult division to come out of. And then two, you're staring up North and you're looking at what Toronto's doing and, even out west with Vegas and and Colorado, it's you know it's scary. How, the top teams are the top teams, right? And so if I'm the Red, if I'm the Capitals, you need to make a move like this to to bolster the depth and scoring and and as you know they also uh, you know 
drop some cap space with the with another move. But uh, didn't they pick up a backup goalie, Jordy? Did I have that right? I uh, yes, maybe not. Uh... But but you know, if I'm the Red Wings, you get Rana, who's 25, super young. Panics 30. You know, we could young, old, whatever. But they get a first round pick and a second round pick. So the Red Wings are in rebuild mode, and and that definitely will help them. So good for them. And I mean, Manta. Man, that's a beast. He's, he is a beast. He'll be huge. He'll be scored in his first game. He did. He's only he's six five, but he's twenty six years old. Like he's young. He's he's six five. He, I mean, yeah. he can't. That's he's an animal. He's a beast. He's I don't have anything on a on a backup goalie, but they did. Uh, yeah, they made some minor moves here and there. Uh, yeah, Verona, they give up. Like you mentioned, they win the Stanley Cup. All uh, all prices are paid. <laughs> perfectly. Is, is, is Mantha? Is he? Uh, is he a free agent? Like, is this like a? Is this like a um, you know a rental? He was gonna get select. He well, he was gonna get selected by by Seattle, uh, or is this like a just hey, let's get some draft picks for him? Like, what if you're the Red Wings? You know, what's the let's see? Twenty six years old, you uh, feel like you gotta keep him, right? Mantha, he could have probably been selected. He's a ninety four, so this has to be an extra contract. Uh, Five point seven million. He has. Four year, you'll be a free agent in 2024. So maybe he does get selected and they wanted to get something for him. Yeah, interesting. Anyway, um, but yeah, great move and and the good teams got better. So that's Capitals are a wagon and yeah. they're three and one against the Islanders this year. So yeah, yeah, that goal. I mean, they scored 14 goals in two games against the Bruins and Flyers. Uh, I, you know, jokes aside, with the Flyers, you know, I mean, putting on 14 goals in two games is no joke. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's guess who they have tonight. They have the actually I don't know Buffalo Sabers. Buffalo. Oh, Sabres. here we go. <laughs> so it could be twenty-one goals in three games. <laughs> yeah, right. Buffalo, though, a quick note to them: they've played very well since snapping their nearly NHL-breaking losing streak against the Flyers. Two wins against the Flyers, another win against I believe the Rangers. Um, Flyers so they wins. Come on. Well, yeah, the the second one, man. I wanted to fucking took the Bruins to a shootout. Yeah, they took the Bruins to a shootout after giving away Hall. Um, yeah, so, you know, they're, they're playing with some heart. They're showing their, they're showing their pros pros, but let's jump into, you mentioned the, the Maple Leafs. They add, I want to call him a Lou, lot. but they, they add, add <laughs> notably Nick Foligno, the captain Heard of him of the Columbus Blue Jackets. And this is something that I made a point in the Instagram video with the Flyers, but we saw kind of what the flat cap, the power that it had over teams. They had to get. The San Jose Sharks involved, the Blue Jackets, and the Maple Leafs do to get this trade done. Toronto takes them on the and sends a first and a fourth to Columbus. They also send a fourth round pick to San Jose. San Jose takes on 25% of Foligno's cap hit. This is something in Nick Foligno. 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 Okay, I'm not Italian. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, I'm from oh, Philadelphia no. where we say Hoagie and Wooter. Uh, but regardless, <laughs> yikes! Regardless, but you mentioned it. another another six five animal, right? Or six six? No, this guy's been he's been a you know obviously a multi time All Star. He was captain of one of the All Star teams when they still did the fantasy draft when it was in Columbus. A fan favorite there. You know they were sorry. You know they're sad to let him go. But you mentioned it. That they, the Maple Leafs, added and really loaded up to a team that's already pretty good. 
Just kidding. He's six foot. Regardless, a great Maple Leafs trade deadline. They've really thrown the gauntlet down in the, in Canada and it's going to be fun to see how that division shakes out. Yeah. And, and they already were a team that has the top line scoring has arguably the best player in hockey this year with Matthews. And, and then you throw in Wayne Simmons and Joe Thornton and the, the defense is actually playing well for the first time. It seems like in years and they get away from having to, I say this every podcast, but they get away from having to play the Bruins and, and Tampa on a regular basis. And they also picked up Ritich, the backup goalie, or, or I guess starter goalie for them. Cause, or they have, they have that, that kid who's 10 and 0 or 11 and 0. Yeah. 11 that's straight now. wins. Yeah. That's just I mean, I feel like that's a Bennington situation where he'll be terrible in two years, but he's great this year. Well, he's not a kid, um, right? He's like 30 something. Yeah, Ch- I mean, Ch- Jack Campbell's a 92. He's oh, he's, 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 29, yeah. he just, he's kind of a late bloomer. I mean, he takes goalies some time. Yeah, but my point is that, like, you know, that's like the perfect storm, right? You you you, you have a goalie who came out of nowhere, and, and he's going to help them, and then you get Ritzich, who who is a great backup for them. Um, so it's, you know, it they were already one of the favorites, and, and this only helped. Um, granted, you know, they recently uh, recently are just seven and one and two in their last ten games, so they're they're an absolute just on a tear. And Matthews doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon. And and like I said, arguably the best player. And the top lines are great. And then you add Polino and and add some depth and more veteran leadership. Not that you needed it, but it's just another physical guy that can dominate with with. The Wayne train and Jumbo Joe love the Wayne train. I mean, I mean it, the, the, go on, Joey. I, I, the, 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 I wanted to just say the Leafs the past six years have always been super talented. Always had so much skill. And I think this is the first time I've ever seen them have so much like grit and sandpaper. I mean, they got Bogosian. Um, they got Jake Muzzin last year. They did Thornton, Spezza, Simmons, now Foligno. They got some heavy <laughs> guys in there to go with all the skill that they have. So I think this is the most well-balanced team i've seen the leafs have in probably my lifetime yeah i mean this is something right that they had problems when they you know ran into the bruins for all those years or even like going further back with that i mean obviously in the matthews era they've only known the boston bruins but even before that right they had like all this talent you know way back in the mid-2000s of great forwards who you know would do great and then you know the playoffs came around and it came short against a team that could throw their weight around and all that sort of stuff. And now they have both firepower in terms of the Matthews and, and Foligno, there we go, uh, can add both of that. It can add scoring, it can add, you know, hard hits. And, and this is a different identity for them. And I think you mentioned it with the goalies too, of, of adding Riddich. It's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch this team go. Cause now they have options and they have different ways to get this done. So they're going to be, I mean, I really want to see a Toronto Edmonton, second round or division final, whatever the hell you want to call it. But, uh, you know, at, at this point we're going to have to see what, uh, what Edmonton ends up doing. If they, if they can match with this and, and how the, uh, the rest of the, the season's going to go. I was just going to ask what happened to Freddie Anderson. Freddie, well, he was hurt, right? So then he got and hurt then, and then he wasn't doing well. And yeah. And then Hutchinson came in. Got it. Yeah, we can cut that part. No, that's fine. Um, let's keep it moving. So we go out west, and the Avalanche make a couple different moves. They add Devin Dubnik. They add Patrick Nemeth from the Red Wings. 
and they add Carl, Carl Soderberg from the Blackhawks. Vegas relatively stays pat. They're way ahead in their divisions. Colorado just on a complete tear, scoring goals left and right. Vegas doing Vegas things like they kind of thought they were. You mentioned it with the Blues. That's the only part of this division that I feel like we didn't really think was going to happen. We thought third place was theirs for the taking. Were you guys shocked at the moves that came out West, especially Minnesota moving Dubnik? Yeah, I feel like especially, I mean, it's so tough because if you're Minnesota, you've over, you've you've overperformed this year, right? Like I feel like if I'm Minnesota, I'm sitting here and I'm like, all right, I'm, we're already doing better than we are. Our young guys are going to get some playoff experience. We don't need to sell the farm because we are so young. We have the talent to last a couple of years. We don't need to sell the farm. Let's just make the playoffs this year. Vegas and Colorado are wagons. We'll, we'll take our first round exit. If not, we'll shock the team and take our second round exit. And then we'll go ahead and, and regroup for next year and, and make a big move and, and make the push. I feel like for them, makes sense. Sure, they unload a guy that probably isn't going to get drafted. Whatever. That's the right move. Vegas and Colorado. I mean, for Colorado – sorry, we're just talking about Minnesota. Mark, go ahead. I mean, call, talk about Colorado too, please. Well, I was saying Colorado, similar story, I feel like, to the to the Bruins. Like, the, I mean, Colorado generates so much offense from their defense and then their top top guys, right, their top line, arguably the second-best line in hockey. They needed and need that secondary scoring because, God forbid, you know, in case someone gets hurt, you know, they needed that that depth, that further down third and fourth line guy and, and veteran leadership that, that uh, you know, he uh, – they could bring right or Jesus, you just said the That's name. That's because Kadri's a scumbag and he'll get suspended again. So yeah, they need <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so Soderberg exactly. So so exactly, Mark. So Soderberg has that sort of ability to be the the lower veteran guy who who plays in the lower lines that just you know throws his body around, gets a little physical, can can potentially protect some of the top guys from from a Reeves in a seven game series or or whomever else in Vegas who throws their body around. So to me, that's. You know, you're 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 playing to beat one team if you're Colorado or Vegas, and then you'll figure out the rest later. But right now, you're you're playing to beat each other. And if I'm Minnesota, like I said, it's you ha- you're so young, you have the like you're out- outperforming already. Like no one picked you to be in the spot you're in. You might except for me, I was the only one who had them in the playoffs. You might as well just um, you know enjoy the wave and and sit back, get get your first or second round exit, get the playoff experience, and and go from there. Love the one yeah, mark. Just harp, harping on Minnesota. I'm going a little off topic from the trade deadline, but I know Kaprizov's a rookie and he's going to get rookie of the year. But geez, he should be in 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 line for the MVP as well. I mean, he's completely changed the identity of the Wilds team. He's not going to win the MVP award, but he's certainly the MVP for their team. I mean, I did Greg. Good for you calling them out, making the playoffs. I didn't see it happening, but I didn't um, either. I think it's good. I mean, Minnesota is a big hockey market, so. I think that's the only one I got right, but. <laughs> yeah, and, no, and but... As, yeah, sorry, good. As for this division, just the trades that went down, I mean, Vegas didn't really need to do anything. They're pretty well, they're loaded. Um, they're well covered. They got everything, D, forwards. Um, and is Peter, Peter Angelo coming back? Is he still injured? Yeah, he's still banged up, but he, I think he's coming back. Yeah, and then uh, Colorado, 
they got Dubnik, not from the wild, although he's been there the previous seven seasons. He's been playing for San Jose this year, but um, yeah, just minor moves for those top teams because you know when you're playing that well, it's not much you need to do, right? Um, but the Blues, I'm surprised they didn't make more moves. They're hovering in that fourth playoff spot right now, um, two games in hand from the, of the Coyotes. But that's a little bit of a race right now, even though Coyotes have lost five in a row. They're pretty much just giving it to the Blues. But um, shout yeah, out to Mark for total... uh, not throwing in our faces, Greg. That we both were like, oh yeah, Devin Newmick got traded for Minnesota, and no, he's been on San Jose this whole year. <laughs> no, I said that too, but I, I had to look it up. Um, I was totally wrong about the Kings. I thought they'd they'd sneak in, but seventh spot. Those bottom three California teams are, are done. Um, so it's pretty much the Blues and Coyotes racing for that fourth spot. Um, but that's all I got for this division. Yeah, I mean, it's uh... San Jose kind of has a chance there. I mean, they traded a lot, but they they're four points out. I don't know. How, how, what's the total number of games, Jordy? What is it again? Fifty six. Okay, so yeah, maybe well, not a lot of those. time left. I mean, they're. I think the the Coyotes are probably going to be the one pushing there. It's. It's one of those things, like in this weird short season, only four teams get in. You, it's hard to sneak in. and You have to think St. Louis's downward trajectory would really have to come crashing for, and Arizona would have to really fall apart too, which, you know, they haven't had a great year, but for San Jose to but, really make something there. But we got to remember, Arizona, they they don't play Vegas anymore, right? They already played, remember they oh, played like eight point. games in a row versus Vegas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They played like eight games in a row versus Vegas, and, and I feel like Arizona has like a... I feel like we talked about this. They have like a like an easy schedule coming down the stretch here. Let's let's be honest. Do either of those teams want to get into that fourth spot because they're they'll just get swept by the Avalanche? Yeah, true. Plus, again, Arizona's lost six in a row, so or five in a row, whatever it is. So you're not wrong, but anyway. Yeah, so it'll be really interesting to see what ends up happening there. I mean, I feel like it's a collision course for Colorado and Vegas in the the western division final if we want to call that in the second round um both those teams complete wagons demolishing every team they're playing colorado is on a complete warpath right now i feel like they went had that three three one deficit they almost came back they were super banged up and now we're just a team on a mission and vegas is the only team really until they get into the the final four that's really in their path but they're the highest scoring team in hockey one of the best special teams out there. And they've only let up 100 goals. You know, Vegas has let up less than one of the best defensive teams in the league. But it's going to be fun to see how this division shakes out because it is pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, Vegas also has elite goaltending yeah. for, for the playoffs, I should say. But, um, yeah, I mean, that it's – it's, honestly, it's the series that we all wanted and needed since the reshuffling of, of – in terms of playoff series since the reshuffling going into the year. And if we're, if we're deprived or rod because Minnesota or, or whoever makes the last spot wants to play spoiler and upsets one of these teams. I mean, I feel like as a NHL fandom, I feel like we have to, we have to revolt or cry or both. Or... If it's Jordan Bennington's fault, will you uh, march to St. Louis and burn his house down? He's not good. He has not had a good year, so <laughs> no, it won't yeah. be his fault. It won't be his fault. He's not a good player. I don't know. I don't know. He had, he had one year where he saw the puck well, but other than that, he's not a good player. <laughs> Who do you hate more, Bennington or Mike Trout? I don't hate Mike Trout. I don't think I don't think you have that right. I think he's overhyped, and I think 
Mookie Betts, Marcus Lynn Betts is uh, the best player in baseball. But that's a different pod for a different time. <laughs> Let's move on, Jordy, to – go ahead, next topic, another division. Okay, so up in Canada, we talked a little bit about some of the moves they made. I mean, did we miss anything, Mark, of any other serious moves that were made in the Canadian division before we go into the uh, the more serious news? I think we're good. Okay, so there's one team in Canada – that has not played a game in quite some time. <laughs> that team being the Vancouver Canucks, who, if you are not a hockey follower, you might think it's weird that in Canada there's teams that have played 43 games. There's you know 42. There's one team that's played 40. That's Montreal. And then you see Vancouver, who has played 37. And the Vancouver Canucks, unfortunately have had one of the most serious COVID outbreaks that we have seen in any sport. Definitely of the four majors in North America. Soccer, we kind of saw it in the MLS's back cup that happened in Orlando way back before any other sport came back, where two teams just dropped out of that tournament. But this is actually in season. It is a, We've seen delays. Pretty much every team has had one in the NHL. We saw it last year with baseball, a ton of that. A little bit in basketball this year. Football had the weird... Tuesday night football games, but this is serious. They have not played a game in checking notes. Cause I have to go back to March. It being April 15th right now, they have not played a game since March 24th. That is three weeks ago. And they're scheduled to play on Friday. The players not particularly happy about it. And actually it's been pushed to Saturday against the well, Toronto. They, they also haven't been able to practice. They haven't been able to be around the facility. They haven't been able to be around each other. Yep. So, like, not only have, you, have they not played a game in three weeks, but they or what? Sorry, that's more than three weeks. Whatever it is, whatever they, it they, is, I, I miss. It's yeah. weird with a calendar on Yahoo. They they but, also they they haven't been able to any hockey activity. I mean, I, I assume you hope they're watching film for Zoom, but sorry, continue talking about them. No, I was gonna show shoot it over to you guys. I mean, we talked about it a little bit that. The last podcast we did was before the NHL and the NBA both pushed back when they were going to start their playoffs and play-in tournaments, what basketball's doing. But this is something that Vancouver's definitely not going to play the full season. They're not going to get all the way there. Um, it'd be almost irresponsible to try to get them over the line to play 19 more games in however much time there is before the playoffs start. So it's unfortunate that we f- saw the chicken little sky is falling scenario with this team. But I don't know, you know. The players aren't necessarily happy. As Greg was mentioning, they haven't been able to practice. That they're being thrown back into games. Is this the right course of action to just throw them in and, and say, hey, go for it? Or what should have happened with Vancouver here? I mean, as it stands right now, Jordy, they have figured out a way that they can play all the rest of their games. Granted, they're playing almost every other day in, in the first two weeks of May and, and every other day from now until May, it looks like. But... I mean, it's, oh, you're right. Yeah. It, it's on my tough face. because no, no, it's tough because I mean, you don't know it's, the last three games are to be determined. So we have no idea, but it's tough because the, the only thing that held Vancouver was that they were a team that always had played more than everyone else. Right. They were, they weirdly had like more games than, than all the other North teams. Right. Cause Montreal, I think was scheduled to play a bunch of teams. So, and they had COVID early. So that affected a bunch of teams, but I, I feel like every time we've talked, it was, it was, oh, Vancouver's behind, but they also have played seven more games than everyone else. So, like, that's the only thing that saved them. But taking three weeks off and already a year that you uh, 
that you that the te- like ev- the expectations are high. You have Demko and now you have Holpe. You have all the young superstars on offense and defense, and you've had success. Blah blah blah. Everyone expected you to be so good, and then you turn around and have really let's call it what it was a stinker of a year, expectation wise. Uh, and then they you take three weeks off and don't practice. And guess what? Here's Toronto, that best team with the best player. Uh, and then, you know, welcome to it. So it's just like, it's hard for me to think that they'll be able to perform well enough to make the playoffs. But on the other hand, is this a, is this one of those things, Jordy, where it's like, oh, let's rally around something, you know, we'll do this, that. I mean, honestly, I think it's the other way. I think three weeks off, no practice, nothing like that is, is detrimental but you never know they're young you never know what what how a team like this will be affected by it sure mark what do you think i mean i have a lot to say i mean definitely doesn't make sense for them to try to squeeze the season in when this is affecting their lungs and they're going to be playing every other day that's just going to just ramp up the percentage of getting injured which could hurt them next season right it just doesn't make any sense they're not going to make the playoffs anyways what's the point unless the other teams need to play to to get points, but that division's pretty well set in hand. Um, I'm just like confused about what the hell happened. It's scary as hell that these guys, prime athletes in their twenties can get this and be so affected by it. Like, is this like a new strain? Like, what is this? Cause it certainly hasn't affected other professional athletes like this. I mean, maybe a couple individual guys, but not like an entire team. It's pretty like eye opening to me, just like seeing this happen because if it affects those that much, then it would affect me. And I already had COVID and I mean, it was just couldn't smell or taste for a couple of days and it was fine. I was totally back to normal, but um, it's just scary that there could be like a new strain of this just evolving and affecting guys who are professional athletes and are in great shape. Um, kind of scary, but to, yeah, back to the hot part of it, trying to squeeze the schedule and doesn't make sense. Um, just think they, it's going to risk them getting injured. Yeah, that that's kind of my thought here. And the one, like, last serious thing, and we can keep moving, but, like, I feel like this hasn't been as big of a topic because it's hockey. It probably is in Canada. But, like, imagine if this was the NBA or, or baseball where, like, an entire team was shut down for this long because of it and, like, how big of a deal that would have been. I just think it's nuts that, like, it hasn't gone as much as talked about as it has um to see what happens and who knows maybe they pull a baseball and say you know when it's them in ottawa playing a three-game set granted this is in the end of april so it's next week or it's a four-game set excuse me but uh yeah i don't know it's one of those things to see like do these games really matter do we just want to condense it into one and go from there like granted they are playing toronto edmonton calgary and winnipeg they're playing playoff teams a ton because it's such a small division so their games do matter and it matters for these other teams, but at, at what point do you decide to say, you know, do we just call this a lower played division, which I know Greg will be like, Oh, points percentage and all this stuff. The AHL has set a precedent of doing this in non COVID seasons. Their Western division to reduce travel plays less games. So it is something where we could see potentially that happening. And, you know, well, you know, it, it's something to keep an eye out on if you're a hockey fan of what ends up happening with this division, especially if Montreal pulls away. I know them in Calgary are only four points behind four points separated. Montreal's played less games, but if that race starts to get, you know, starts to uh, expand a little bit in terms of Montreal's lead, who knows what ends up happening with this division. And like, uh, 
Sorry, Greg, go ahead. No, no. I was just saying, I feel like it's so tough because, like Mark said, you know, you figure at least the top three teams, Toronto, Winnipeg, and Edmonton, are, are sort of locked in at this point. Granted, you never know. But though Canadians, Flames, are very much fighting for the last spot, and, and you never know what could happen, uh, especially with some of the moves we made. I mean, granted, Calgary were, were kind of sellers at the deadline. But yeah, I, it's it's – it's tough because you would hope that one team doesn't negatively affect everything, but at what point, I don't know. I mean, you, it's not like you can add more. Like if I'm, if I'm Toronto or sorry, can they, is there a chance or a possibility that they just say like Mark was saying from the player standpoint, player safety, let's just eliminate that team. Every other team will play each other X amount of more times and they'll get the 56 games in that way. I mean, this division's already the Canadian division already has one less team than all the rest, so they're already playing each other more than the other divisions were playing their teams. But is this, or do they just say, "All right, everyone in the Canadian division, you're only playing 50 games. We're capping at that." Boom! Like you know, is is there a compromise coming? Is it uh, how many players actually had COVID, Jordy? Do we know that number? Like it was like was all saying? but one. Yeah, it's like close yeah, to so, every player. All 24 are their like main roster. I think almost half. Yeah. Right, so so that's that's wild, and then like you look at uh, the the Red Sox pitcher last year, Eduardo Rodriguez, who missed the entire season because COVID affected his heart, and he ended up getting having like a regular heartbeat or something negative affected his heart because of COVID, and and he had to miss the whole year. Granted, some argue baseball players aren't as good shape as hockey players. I don't. Some do. However, you know, hockey players, young prime of their career everyone's affected by COVID differently. Is it a Mark situation where they just lose taste and smell? Is it a water or heart? You don't know, right? Unless you do more tests and study. And I mean, there are teams out there. I know the Bruins have been doing this. The Bruins have their goalies uh, when Tuka and Halak were up there, they have the goalies dressing on the side of the room. They have like one was allowed to eat dinner at this time. The other one was, they had the dinners at different times. They were at all points, the goalies were separated just in case, right? In case one of them get them, they didn't lose both. Right. So, are more and more teams going to switch their protocols now? Like, I, it's it's a crazy situation. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. nuts. But, um, oh, Mark, do you have one last thing, or, or do you? Want yeah, to I was going to say, if there were if there were Vegas odds for a team to happen for this to happen to before the season started, wouldn't we have all said it would be a Florida team? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's crazy. We were praising Canada for so long for them. Yeah. And I think pumping. I think that's part of it, Jordy. Yeah. I think that's part of it because they haven't in Canada. They've been sheltered from COVID. They haven't been exposed to it at all. So no maybe fans like the and first stadiums, time it got nothing in. like that. Maybe it's the yeah. first time it got into Canada and just wiped them out because they haven't been exposed to it at all. Yeah, who knows? That's just who knows. It's a crazy saga. It's something certainly to keep an eye out on. Um, like I said before, I think if it's a different sport, if it's especially basketball, just on how a certain network that's bringing hockey back, but a certain network covers it, uh, would have been. You know, shut the season down. We would have heard everybody in the in their mom talking about it. Maybe people in Canada are saying that. But let's we talked about Jack Campbell, so let's jump on to the next sub- subject. The one last thing about the Buffalo Sabers, Jack Eichel done for the year. Uh, yeah, he he's had neck problems for for a while now. He hasn't played in a number of weeks. Uh, just an unfortunate story to hear. Obviously, they ended up trading Taylor Hall, who's supposed to be the great uh, you know line mate for Eichel. Just a bummer to see. I don't know. You guys, uh, do you think he's going to try to stir up anything with, with Buffalo Brass in the offseason of either trying to get him out of there or 
trying to get them to bring in somebody else to replace Hall since now they have eight million dollars of cap space, or is it just as simple I mean, as he's hurt and another year of Buffalo buffaloing? No, I, I mean I think it's if they. I mean, why rush him to get back? It sucks because you never want to see a superstar miss time or a whole season and like why rush him back you know we sold all these players well the locker room's a mess it's tough you feel bad because they've had it's almost like the the um sam donald situation in new york you, you know he eichel's had what four coaches in four years right it's it's and a couple gms the yeah fan base so hates the ownership it's all this crazy stuff yeah so like you hate to see a guy in that position and and he just signed an extension right a couple years ago or last year so Correct. like he's kind of there for a while it's kind of on him for signing that deal in the first place but um he loves it apparently and wants to be there so i mean to me for him individual standpoint it sucks to miss a superstar for that long but at the same time he needs to this season's a wash for them he doesn't need to go up against the capitals and the bruins and the islanders and the physicality of that and the flyers physicality of that division night in and night out with a neck injury sit out get healthy figure out what they're going to do after the, after the expansion draft, ask, you know, they should do this. They should ask Seattle if they could, if they could do the expansion draft and, and Seattle could just take over the Buffalo <laughs> organization. And honestly, the Seattle ownership will probably do better with what Buffalo has and Buffalo will. So <laughs> yeah. who knows? So who knows? But yeah, I mean, that's, uh, it sucks. The superstars out, but at the same time, from a personal individual standpoint, it's the a thousand percent, the right move. Yeah. Absolutely. A disc in his neck. Or something. It's something that like that. Yeah, it's, like, it's neck problems. It's not good. It's right that he's shut down. I just meant going forward of how does he? How do they figure out what to do with him? Because he, there's been shit with him and in, in Buffalo for a while now. He got the coach fired, and they picked him over the coach and the GM and all that stuff. Like, so you know, Greg answered it perfectly. It's a a crazy scenario for him. Yeah, and like again, you know, why the ownership has made all these these things to to make him happy and. You know, if I'm him, you know, you thought this was the year the GM actually made a bunch of moves to bring some guys in. So he thinks, all right, this is the right GM, the right move. The, this is the right guy. I mean, granted, they didn't have enough time this year before he went down for their team to actually like gel or mesh because right out the gates, they, like you said, they had, they started out really well. They had a really good power play. Then they had a, the COVID and they didn't play for two weeks. Then Eichel got hurt, and then... Yeah, he's been in and out of the lineup all year. Yeah, so, like, this, in theory, the GM and the coach did all they could until the COVID, until the injury, right? So it's like, if I'm Eichel, I'm sitting there, I'm like, yeah, okay, but you went out and you got Stahl. You went out and you got Hall. You went out and you got all these guys, and and you made the moves to to make me happy, quote-unquote. Who knows what the situation behind closed doors, but I feel like if I'm Eichel, you're happy with what they did but it sucks the season turned out the way it did but i think it goes back to the COVID and then the injury right that's that was really it and it sucks that a franchise relies on one player that much but edmonton does it right and and there are a lot of teams that do it so they rely on two players in edmonton yeah sorry i mean Connor mcdavid's really offended that you picked leon dreitzel since you hate best players in the league i don't hate best players in the league but i think you're calling all these other people Better than the consensus best players. I don't know. You're saying no, no, Matthews I is think, better I mean, than McDavid. You're saying I've Betts said, is better I've than said, I've said Matthews is I've said Matthews is the best player. Yes, one hundred percent. I mean, look at the numbers. <laughs> We've gone over all the McDavid the McDavid uh what's it called? 
McDavid and Dreitzettel don't score. Edmonton blows. Like they, it's a Ovechkin Crosby debate. Oh, I'm glad that we had that. That's back. The who's better? The guy whose team is not very good. And versus... and Jordy and Jordy, let's let's not let's not overcomplicate this. Austin Matthews is an American, so I'm okay. obviously going to. Pick right, that, that's Austin the way Matthews to sell me. McDavid though. Over Connor McDavid. Yes, McDavid, McDavid 69 is, points. Mc, yeah, McDavid is unreal, and yes, he's he he does it all. And Matthews can Matthews has, pass the puck? That the people want to know. Matthews he has, 20, has he has 21 assists. The people want to yeah, know. 50, 53 points at 30, 32 goals. He's so far ahead of the next closest person in goals. It's not even funny. I mean, please. Yeah, he gets to play but, Ottawa every night. Ottawa sucks. We called them an AHL team earlier this year. So does, so does McDavid. So does McDavid. Shh. Fuck out of here. I don't know. It's a different part of Canada. Different different province. But anyway, the point is that <laughs> Matthews, uh, my opinion, Matthews is the best player. Uh, yes, 100%. That's what, that's my opinion. Right, that's and, t- and, and It's a take. Mo- Mookie Betts has won more World Series in the last year than Trout in the last two years, three years than Trout has won his entire career. Because so. Mike Trout's a go down, go down with the ship kind of guy. That's why. So is so is Mookie Betts until he got traded. He can't control that he got traded. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Regardless, uh, all right, keep it moving. Uh, we talked about the Flyers. We talked about the Bruins a lot. Do you guys have any other thoughts on the Bruins? Yeah, I mean, the the, the only thing that. Mark brought up was the Rick Nash trade and, and again when they went for it all and the Hall this is like the right move but and then the young goalies everyone I feel like every team has this you know you lose players to to COVID and then you bring up some young guys and they excel and the Bruins had that with uh, Jeremy Swayman a UMaine product another hockey East player um, but goaltender and and so that's like but with Tuka coming back and Halak coming off COVID. He'll go back down to Providence, but it, it, he stepped in. I mean, he'll still be there for a couple of weeks, but he stepped in nicely. And uh, him and Vladar, the two two Providence goalies now NHL goalies, um, did well for them. I don't know. I, that's it for the Bruins. I feel like we talked about a lot of it before. It's, it'll be interesting to see what Hall does with Krejci and, and how the lines shake out uh, moving forward. But Mark, yeah, Halak's probably gone next year. I know be Rask and Swayman, but. Um... That's if we re-sign Rask. But um, in terms of just Massachusetts, we'd be remiss. We're a hockey podcast. We didn't mention UMass Amherst winning the uh, NCAA Division Championship. So uh, shout out to them. Huge. Hockey East, Jordy. Yeah. Try to tell you. Is that uh, where are all the Patriot League schools? Are they in Hockey East? No. Holy Cross. They're They're in ECAC. ECAC. Army. BU. BU's Hockey East, aren't they? BU is Hockey East. Yeah, yeah, there we go. All right. Let's go you Hockey East. You got one. <laughs> you got one. And who's our last one? Holy Cross, BU. Oh, Colgate. What's Colgate in? Not Holy Cross. Colgate's ECAC. Uh, so ECAC is more Patriot League. Okay. ECAC. Harvard's in, e- Harvard's in ECAC. They're not Patriot League, though. And I'm just I'm just yeah. thinking out loud. Um, anyway. Um, but, yeah, Jordy. Let's see. Let's quickly go through this because I know uh, we got a, you got a big athletic event tonight. <sighs> yeah, um, we talked about a lot with the division races. I think – What's I mean, the division we haven't talked about? We haven't talked about we haven't, the we, Central. We haven't talked about the Central. All right, let's do it. I, you know, Obviously, I think the top three teams, Carolina, Tampa, Florida, all tied up. That's probably the biggest shock is that Tampa isn't running away with this thing. Um, Nashville versus Chicago for the final seed. Two teams – one team we had left for dead. The other one, none of us were talking about at the beginning of the season, that being Nashville and Chicago, respectively. I mean, what a chase 
It's awesome. I didn't. Didn't we talk about this more? We say this every pod, but I feel like Mark called Chicago from the job. I feel like I feel like every time we say this, but I feel like Mark said Chicago is going to make it. I think you and I left out Carolina, which is egg on our face. No, I had Carolina. There's no way I would have left them out. No chance. I'm going to find this this document, but maybe Mark did anyway. have Chicago. But uh... so, anyway, so anyway, two weeks ago, Jordy, something I'm going to say. Two weeks ago, the three of us we had Chicago. Is, this is... is all set. Two weeks ago, we were like, oh, this is all set. Chicago's got this. Nashville eight and two in the last ten, I mean just an absolute tear. Jumped over Chicago, took the took the the four point lead, if you will, and 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 they didn't even make moves at the deadline. Versus versus Chicago went out and got players and and were active. So it's like to me, it's it's more impressive that Nashville has done what they've done and and gone on this absolute tear and beat Chicago a couple times on this run and and beat Tampa seven to two uh, on Tuesday. So it's like, yeah, they're it's huge. They're, so, they're moving in the right direction. So I pulled it up. Our central division picks. We all had Carolina. So none of us, no egg on our face, Craig. We had Columbus. We all had Tampa. We all had Carolina. You guys had Columbus. I had oh. Greg and I had Dallas. Yikes. And then Mark and I had Florida. All right, so not too I bad. Not Chicago. Yeah, yeah. nobody had all Chicago, right. but we were like, we all were buying into Chicago pretty early when they were, were when they were like in first place or second place off that hot start. We were all like, well, fuck the, yeah, think, let's go. Yeah, I think a big reason why we left them off is because Taves. Like, we didn't know. Cause oh, yeah. yeah, he like announced point. and Kirby Doc was still like, hurt. Yeah, yeah, he like announced the day that we were doing the podcast that he was like done for the year. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or we don't know what it is, but. Yeah, so, I mean, that's my take. I mean, Chicago, two weeks ago, we were all were saying that they were in, and then Nashville has just gone an absolute tear. So, good for good for Nashville turning the ship around and, and figuring something out. Um, you know, it, I don't know if it's this new goalie that, that – uh, is he playing more than Rene? Who's, who's their backup here? Well, Soros plays a ton. I don't know. He's been hurt, right? That's what right? I'm saying. Yeah. But uh, – but I think he's their, like, I think he took over for Rene. I think he's their number one now. I don't think Rene. Well, they were, like, they'd been battling for it as, like, a 1A, 1B for the last couple of years. Rene really jo- dropped off after the 2017 run. Yeah, true. True. Uh, Mark, you got anything? No, just the uh, Carter Hart's playing tonight versus the Pens. See if he can. Uh, yeah, we'll have to see. He's had some good starts. He's had some good starts. He did, uh. What's it called? He did pretty well against the Islanders, so hopefully. Does, does, does Jeff Carter get booed in Philly tonight? Uh, it's in Pittsburgh, isn't it? Okay, well, it whenever. No, come, he wouldn't get booed. People let. I mean, a that tree was was ten years ago this summer. I don't think he's gotten booed when he's been with uh, with the with the Kings. But no, no, no scars, no scars for you. No, I mean it. it well, Jeff Carter, <laughs> he resulted in Couturier, Voracek. A bunch of other dudes. Um, <laughs> As we talked about how terrible Voracek is right now. And then, uh, no, he had, I mean, Voracek, when what? he got his contract, was, he looked like he was like, could potentially win the Hart Trophy for high scoring and then like fell off in 15. And then he gets that contract and it's huge and all that shit. Um, but the, that day, the Richards Carter trade, that's a podcast story for another day of me working at the radio station with that and talking to Ian LaPerriere when it happened. Um, but yeah, it's, no, to answer your question, though, about getting booed of fl- former Flyers on Penguins teams, uh, I was actually at a game a couple years ago, the year Mark Strike got traded from Philly to, I think it was Florida, and within a couple hours, they turned around and traded him to Pittsburgh, 
So a couple weeks later, the Penguins are in town, and he got a standing ovation. So there's there's no, uh, you know, the Flyers fans, you know, Philly fans get a bad rap. But they we gave Mario Lemieux a standing ovation his first game back from cancer. Gave Mark Streit one. You know, we know when to give respect when respect is due. <laughs> Sorry, Mark, you had a question? I was going to say, how do you think Rask will do tonight's first game back at home versus our arch nemesis, Islanders? Yeah, I mean, he's been practicing, so I feel like he – I mean, there's always going to be rust, but he's been in practice for a couple weeks, and hopefully – I mean, a tough game to – first game back. I mean, I guess it's a good team to see because the Islanders can't score, but that's uh, – What's your that's prediction? A, uh, oh, I always love to you on the spot. Let's go. going to say, at home – just had a big emotional win. You got you got Taylor Hall. I'm gonna say the Islanders. I'm gonna say it's three to two or three to one Bruins. Three to two Bruins. Three two. All right. What I love these Mark because we always do these predictions. Like we notably would like do like a Sunday afternoon baseball preview and be like, oh, the Super Bowl's coming up. What do you think? It's like the podcast shops after the Super Bowl. So we'll, the listeners will have fun hearing these predictions. What do you think, Mark? I think we're due to beat them. They, they, we had a two nothing lead against them last time we were at home, and they came back and beat us. I think if we get to a lead this time, that's not going to happen again. I think it's going to be like three one with an empty net. Tuca's going to play lights out. Nice. Okay. I love the confidence. Okay. I love the confidence. Listeners, are Jordy, probably, give, give us, give us a Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh Flyers, um, on the road. It's not going to be good. Give us prediction. Not going to be good. I'll say that. Uh, Nominally good. Not. They did actually, when they first opened that building, the Flyers did very well in there. But not going to be good tonight. Uh, hopefully Wade Allison looks good in his debut. That's what I'm hoping. But I think that's going to do it, boys. Thank you, as always, for this episode, or for jumping on. This episode, I think, was great. Hopefully you guys all liked it, the listeners. But thank you, guys, Mark and Greg. Really appreciate it. Jordy, thank you, and congratulations, bud. Thank you. Obviously, you were there. Uh, Mark, we should have sent you a link so you could watch, but I really appreciate it. I was, hey, congrats, Jordy. I was, I was having a blast myself, but nothing like your experience. That's right. You were in Arizona, you were in Arizona going nuts, so you wouldn't have watched anyway. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) that'll do it for this episode. Thank you to everyone for listening. If you made it to the end, let us know. Say uh, Mark was in AZ or something on on all the social medias. Thunder BLG on Twitter, Thunderbox Sports on Instagram, the Bullpen Cart Podcast. Search that on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And for my guys, Greg and Mark, I am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. Have a great weekend, and go Bruins. Go Bees. Go Bees. Go Let's bees. see if go the Flyers bees. can do go something. Bees. <laughs> go Bees. Go Bees.